0: Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today, you are going to learn how to outsmart emotional eating and live a life of happiness and joy without giving up the foods you love. Now, here is Dr. Nina. Hi
1: there. Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin. I'm a psychoanalyst and I am here to help you liberate yourself from emotional eating. Take care back control of your life, and feel good in your body, all without dieting, spending hours in the gym, or counting a single macro. And by the way, I am so excited. Today is actually the 25th show that I've done here on Voice America, and we are now in... 31 countries around the world. I guess where else would they be than around the world? We're in 31 countries and I'm I'm so excited about that and thank you to all the, the listeners out there. And I'm also live streaming here on Instagram. So if you're here with me on Instagram, welcome, welcome. If you have any comments or thoughts during the show, please feel free to drop them in the comment section. Okay, so today we're going to talk about eight inspiring Resolutions to make 2024 your happiest year yet and transform your relationship with food and your body. Um, So, most of the time when we make resolutions, so many of us, January 1st is coming and we are motivated to finally get back in shape, lose those 10 or 20 or 50 pounds or more, whatever, lose weight, stop binge eating. Kick the sugar habit once and for all, all the things. So making goals around eating better and getting active, nothing wrong with that on the surface. It comes from a wish to be healthier and happier. But what is wrong with that? Okay, because there actually is something wrong with that. Here's the reality. Despite our best efforts, by mid-February, the most ambitious diet and exercise resolutions have totally gone off the rails. Can you relate? Yes, you can. And it leaves us feeling defeated and demoralized, despondent, all the D words. New Year's resolutions usually fail for several reasons. And one common reason is that we set unrealistic goals totally unrealistic goals, and we make behavior-based resolutions. Behavior-based are, oh, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to exercise more, I'm going to stop smoking, stop binge eating, pay off debt, travel more, all of those things that involve uh, behaviors. And many of us also try to make these drastic changes overnight, which can be challenging, and by challenging, I mean pretty much impossible, to sustain in the long run. So that is why this year. This year, I am proposing a different tactic. Instead of focusing on changing your behavior, such as vowing to stop binge eating, instead of doing that, because we all know how well that goes, not so well. Instead, set an intention that involves your relationship with yourself, personal growth, connection, passion set a set an intention that has to do with your relationship with you because connecting to our deeper selves also helps us cultivate a sense of self-compassion and self-acceptance. and that is critical for changing our relationship with food. So instead of the let's lose weight and hit the gym resolution, let's get radical. And how sad that is radical to vow to change our relationship with food. Our bodies and ourselves. So here are my suggestions for how to ring 2024 in on a more realistic and positive note. So the first is understand the hidden motivations for why you may be turning to food. Get curious not critical. Oh, look, I come with a prop. My curious, not critical mug, for those of you on Instagram who can see me, for those of you listening on Voice America or, or any of the podcast channels, you just have to picture it. My, my curious, not critical mug, my theory of life, be curious, not critical, because when you are curious, you find answers. When you are critical, you feel bad, And then you just might turn to food to get away from your own mean voice. So be curious. So instead of beating yourself up for what you ate or what you're eating or what you weigh or all the things, delve into how you may be using food to cope with or to distract from yourself, from your emotions, from your thoughts, from things that you don't want to deal with. Is heading for the pantry a way to mask feelings like sadness or anger or other emotions that actually deserve your attention. Feelings are not character flaws. Feelings are just reactions to situations, and they they connect you to yourself and to other people. Feelings are good, not bad. We are taught in our culture, oh, don't have feelings. You're weak if you have them. No, you are human if you have them, and you cannot drop them, ignore them, positive think them away. Don't get me started on positive thinking. Them away, toxic positivity. You you cannot stuff them down either. So, you got to look at why you're eating instead of what you're eating and tune into your emotions and what's going on right before or during the times so that you're zoning out. If you're zoning out with food and you're in the binge zone, you know the binge zone, right? You're not feeling, you're not thinking, you're just on autopilot and you cannot stop. What was happening right before? What What were you deprived? Were you feeling something? Were you upset? How are you distracting yourself from something? Often we get mad at ourselves for eating when really that's what I call boomerang binging. Boomerang binging is when you're like, oh, I'm so mad at my partner, but ooh, I feel guilty for being mad at my partner because that's not nice. So, oh no, I'm actually mad at myself because I ate XYZ and look at the scale. I am furious with myself. That's boomerang binging. It's a displacement from something else going on in your life onto you. Not fair to you, is it? No, no, no. So, what if you're thinking, okay, yeah, I I have no idea what goes on. I just head for the kitchen. I I I hit Doordash. I I, I have no idea. I'm not feeling anything. I am just addicted to food. I have heard this more than once by people who later realize, oh no, they were not addicted to food. They were, if we're going to use the word addicted addi- addiction, they were addicted to eating as a way of coping. So. If you are so good at going right to food, you don't even know what's eating at you because it's not what you are eating that is the problem. It's what's eating at you. If you're so good at turning right to food, then you're you're you you're at a loss. Like you don't know why, and that's the hidden part. So one unique approach to um, understanding and addressing your hidden why is to use my food mood formula. And this is something I developed in my first decade as an eating disorder clinician, 100% only treating people struggling with eating disorders, mostly binge eating and bulimia. Um, so, in my first decade, I started realizing a lot of stuff, and it, I came up with with this formula, which is based on the understanding that our relationship with food is often a reflection of our emotional state. In other words, the foods we crave can tell us a lot about underlying feelings and emotions, the food mood formula. So I've worked with countless people struggling with food and, and body issues over the years, and I noticed some clear patterns around what they call cravings. So everyone that I've treated is different. Despite all their differences in age, in background, in gender, the foods they they, they craved. And by the way, I do this work because I too was one of those people. right? I struggled with all eating disorders. so I know what it feels like. I know what those cravings are like. I know what it feels like what it feels like when you're like it's like you're in the the you' you're, you're just being drawn by a magnet towards the kitchen and it's all you can think about. It's all that's on your mind. You cannot stop thinking about it. it takes over. you're like a zombie going, ah, oh, I know how that feels. But listen. <laughs> the the when you when those cravings hit it's one of three main categories smooth creamy foods like milkshakes or pudding or ice cream stuff like that filling starchy foods like pasta pizza muffins you know cake bread things like that or salty crunchy foods like pretzels chips nuts things like that then there's also of course candy I'll get to that in a second. So it became clear to me as I was treating people, and I kept seeing this pattern over and over and over, that when people wanted creamy foods, it wasn't really creamy foods they wanted. They didn't really want ice cream. They needed comfort and nurturing. And when they were looking for those more filling, bulky foods like cake, bread, pasta, burgers, things like that, it always indicated a, a, a void of some kind, like filling a void symbolically, whether they were lonely or just feeling some kind of emptiness in their lives. And crunchy food, well, anything that makes you bite down hard, that is associated with forms of anger. And lots of people have said to me, I'm not an angry person. I don't feel angry, except at myself or when I eat. Well, don't Anger is just a reaction to a situation. Guess what? Frustration is a form of anger. Irritation is a form of anger. Annoyance is a form of anger. Rage is a form of anger. So if you're going for something crunchy, think about what are you really mad about or frustrated with or annoyed with or something like that. Now, of course, none of these foods provide relief that lasts. And that's why it is a frenemy. It helps you in the moment. It helps you cope. It helps you distract. It helps you just not think and not feel. But it is an enemy in that, of course, it hurts your body. It hurts your self esteem. It's it's more way more of an enemy than than a friend. But it is a friend. It does something for you. And that is why the key to change is learning new self soothing skills, or if that's if you're drawn to smooth, creamy food, if it's the emptiness, look at the holes in your life. What are the empty places? Is it a relationship? Is it that you're not doing fulfilling work? Are you lonely in the context of a relationship? That's the worst. Um, Really be curious, wonder about that, and then find a different way of filling those holes. If it is anger... um. Oh hey Kim. <laughs> Kim's on Instagram saying happy Thursday all. She's on a break. She wanted to listen. Welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. Um so uh, you, if it is loneliness, if there's a if there's a void in your life, figure out how to fill that. Maybe it means you need more social connections. Maybe it means you need more sense of purpose. Maybe it means a change in your life. But You have to have more fulfillment in your life rather than symbolically filling up with food. And of course, crunching through a family-sized bag of Doritos and then getting mad at yourself for eating them is not a healthy way to express anger. Instead, learning to express it with words and, and, and name it. Oh, I'm frustrated because of this and it means that. I'm so irritated because of this and it means that. And really expressing it. And by the way, when I say expressing it, I don't mean like I am quite angry. I realize that I am quite upset about that. No, that is thinking. That is thinking your feelings away. You cannot think away your feelings. you can only feel them. So you have to, have to do it with affect. You've got to feel it in your body. Why is it that we um, that we call emotions feelings because we feel them, In our bodies. How about that? We feel emotions in our bodies. That's why they are called feelings. And by the way, some people, some people, they crave all three categories at once. You know, vanilla ice cream with nuts or, you know, well, maybe not all three categories, but... um, two categories, or, or uh, you know, and, and then vanilla ice cream with nuts, and then you have bread and pe- smooth peanut butter or something. That's a sign of, being, of needing comfort and being upset. So get curious. Find the hidden motivation. Um, exploring the predominant uh, emotion in the food mood formula. So if it's vanilla ice cream with nuts, predominantly it's ice cream. That means you're most in need of comfort with a little secondary splash of anger, both needs your attention. Your internal world needs your attention. It is so, so, so important because when you can identify and express what is really eating at you, guess what? You don't need food to cope, distract, fill the void, do any of the things that it can do for us. And as for as for candy, as for chocolate, well, um, first of all, chocolate kind of goes with the food mood formula because some of us only like milk chocolate or chocolate with creamy centers. There's the smooth and creamy. Others only like dark chocolate. There's the crunchy or chocolate with nuts. There's the crunchy. And also, if it's not chocolate, but you just like Skittles or something, some kind of candy, Consider whether you might need more sweetness in your life, not the kind that comes from sugar, not the sweetness that comes from sugar, the sweetness of connection and love and fulfillment and, you know, the sweetness of life. Are you missing that? Kimmy loves this explanation. (laughs) She's heard it before. You can't hear it enough, right? It's a good reminder because we, especially now, w- when we're being inundated with ideas about, well, just take this medication or just go on this diet or just do this, um, it, it's it's pulling up, it's like pulling up a weed without getting to the root. You've got to get to the root to get rid of that weed for good. Same with binge eating or emotional eating. You cannot treat the symptom, which is the eating part. You've got to get to the why and especially the hidden why. So, how about your first resolution for 2024 is to get to your hidden why, to understand the hidden motivations? They won't be hidden if you use my food mood formula. Um, Get to the hidden motivations. The second resolution is how about turning your critic into a friend. Turning your inner critic into a friend. What a concept. So important to break free from binge eating, emotional eating, stress eating, any kind of unhealthy, unhappy relationship with food. It's important to get rid of your inner critic and instead turn it into a friend. Cultivate self-compassion. Imagine treating yourself as you would treat a friend who was struggling. Like, if your friend was struggling with... um, Say... Okay, let me start over. Let me gather my thoughts. Okay, here's a scenario for you. Your friend comes to you and says, Oh my God, I just ate an entire pint of ice cream last night, and then I went and polished off the rest of the pizza that my kids didn't eat. I... I'm so miserable. I hate myself. Would you say to your friend, yeah, you are disgusting. I can't believe you ate all of that. That is gross. If people knew, they would be horrified. You are awful. You're unlovable, unlikable, and no one will ever love you when I hate you. No, you would never say that to your friend, right? But how often do you say it to yourself? And it seems so okay to say it to yourself. It is not okay. It is not okay to talk to yourself that way. No, 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 no. (laughs) Be nice to you. Do not be critical. So again, turn your inner critic into a friend. First, understand your hidden motivation. When you get ready to dive into your, you know, comfort food of choice, get curious, ask yourself, what's going on with me? that is making me crave this use the food mood formula to tune into what are the situations what are the emotions that are triggering your desire to eat and once you once you identify those root causes you can address them directly with support and reassurance the way that you would treat a friend because chances are if that friend came to you and said oh I just ate the pint of ice cream and I polished off the pizza you would not say any of the the mean things that I just demonstrated the way you speak to yourself you would say I am so sorry it uh, you know what's going on with you let's talk it's not the end of the world it's clearly something's going on with you what's bothering you I'm here for you I'm you know don't feel bad I love you like right you would be supportive you would be a friend. So, that is why you got to be a friend to yourself because when we tear ourselves down with our inner critic, it it makes us feel terrible. And when we feel terrible and we we can't make ourselves feel terrible with all these critical, horrible thoughts and support ourselves and build ourselves up, no, when you when you're cruel and mean to yourself, you're going to feel terrible and then you're going to go to food to escape your own mean voice. So if you say things like, you are so pathetic, you are so weak, you'll never break this habit, you'll never stop binge eating, you, 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 you. Notice that when you talk to yourself in the second person voice, calling yourself you, that comes from a mean place and it fuels shame. Again, you may turn to food just to escape your own mean voice. I... I, I had, a, I talk about this person, but I've heard this a thousand times, more than a thousand times, but I use her as an example. So every morning she would wake up and she would go into the bathroom. She would get on the scale, which of course would ruin her day. She would look in the mirror and she would say to her reflection, you're disgusting. You're disgusting. Notice the second person voice. She was being a critic. So I asked her to repeat that and just use a, just one tiny change of pronoun. Instead of saying, you're disgusting, I told her to use, uh, come from an I statement and say, I'm disgusting. And here's the awesome thing is she couldn't do it. She was like, oh no, oh, that's, I'm, ah, it sounds so harsh. Exactly. It is easy to beat ourselves up in that you voice. It is harder, not for everybody, but for most people, it is harder to be cruel and critical and mean and vicious and awful to yourself from an a, a first-person I voice, right? So think about that and really, really... uh be kind to yourself. If you wouldn't say something to a friend, a child, or someone you love, don't say it to yourself. And another another thing to think about, like, let's go back to the friend who had a, a like, let, let's say we we get in our DeLorean time machine and we roll back time to before she turned to the ice cream and the pizza and all of that. She's She just had a really bad day. Maybe she you know, had a fight with someone or just failed at something at work or someone was mean to her or just some kind of hardship that left her really upset. You would not say to her, oh my gosh, you're upset? Okay, look, I, I, I got you covered. Um, have some ice cream. Uh, that'll make you feel better. Or how about like we order pizza? No, I don't think you would say that. I hope not. You'd probably say, I'm sorry this happened. I know it's really tough right now. How can I help? How can I support you? Bring that same quality of compassion and curiosity to yourself. And by the way, one way to turn your critic into a friend is to use my signature acronym, VARY, V-A-R-Y. I'm a big fan of acronyms. I find them very useful. Very stands for a, a, validate, acknowledge, and reassure yourself. And that's what you want to do when you feel that need to, to eat or, or head for the kitchen or eat something or when it's just even on your mind. So here's an example of how very would sound. like, um, Like say you're just really disappointed with something that happens or think about a time when you were disappointed. Here's what you might say to yourself using very. You might say, you know, it makes complete sense that I feel so disappointed. That's validating. Anyone would feel this way. You're acknowledging, of course, of course you feel this way. How could you not? And this feeling won't last forever and things will get better in time. And I know that I have been through tough times in the past and I will get through this too. I have confidence in myself. So let me ask myself what I need now to care for myself during this time. And then care for yourself. N- meet your needs. Reassure yourself. Give yourself what you need that's not food. So the more that you practice validating, acknowledging and reassuring yourself, the the more you feel like you're comforting yourself. And then when you comfort yourself and you take care of yourself and you soothe yourself and you're there with yourself and you can be with yourself, guess what? You don't need food for escape, to numb, to comfort, or any of the things. And also remember that, that the way you speak to yourself is very important. I've also shared about the person who said, I, uh, I tried talking to myself and it did not work at all. Like I said, everything you told me to say, I validated, acknowledged, and reassured myself, and didn't help at all. So I said, "Well, how, what did you say, and how did you say it?" And it was something like, she, "This is this is how she said it to herself." Um, uh, I know this is hard, but it it it'll get better. You'll be okay. Okay. Uh, no wonder she didn't feel better. Like there's nothing about that that is comforting or reassuring or validating or anything. You can use the same, you say the same words and they can sound differently. If you say, oh, I know this is hard, but it's, it's going to get better. It'll be okay. Same words, totally, totally, totally different feeling that comes with it. So, um, it makes a huge difference in terms of the impact, the way you talk to yourself, not just the words you use, but how you say it. So it's like, I like to say a a soothing tone is like a verbal hug. So give that to yourself so that you don't end up filling those emotional voids or comforting yourself or all the things with food. All right. So Oh, I have two minutes before the break, but I'm going to get started on the third resolution. So we talked about, you know, vowing to understand your hidden motivations, turning your inner critic into a friend. And the third is is uh, creating a resolution to make friends with the mirror. Um, and Kimmy is saying really needing to correct with your yourself honestly is so hard. It really is. It's very hard because we're taught in our culture, I'm going to get to make friends with the mirror probably after the break, but we're, we're, we're taught in our culture that we we shouldn't have feelings, right? If, you, if you're if you mad, you need a, a anger management class. If you're sad, you need an antidepressant. If you're anxious, there's a pill for that too. But the message is, hey, don't have feelings, don't have them. So what do we do when we have feelings and we don't know how to respond to ourselves in a kind, loving way? We're going to find a way to escape our feelings, to soothe our feelings or something of that nature. And that is why being able to show up for yourself in a soothing, loving way is crucial. It's everything. So really practice makes progress, not perfection because no, there's no such thing as perfection. So it's something to keep practicing. I'm going to take a two minute break and I, uh, if you're on Instagram, I'm going to stay with you, but, um, uh, if you're not, I will be back with you in two minutes and we will continue with more inspiring resolutions. See you soon.
0: Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates
1: from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: Are you tired of the endless cycle of dieting and binging, ready to break free from emotional eating and regain control of your life? Look no further than The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina, the transformative radio show that will empower you on your journey to food freedom. Dr. Nina is here to guide you every step of the way. Join her as she delves into the true causes of binge eating, uncovers hidden triggers, and gives you effective strategies for lasting change. With practical tips and inspiring stories of transformation, The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina will help you nurture a healthier mindset, embrace self-compassion, and rediscover your true self. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Have questions for Dr. Nina? Join her on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show
1: welcome back to the binge cure with dr nina we are here talking about eight inspiring resolutions to make 2024 your happiest year yet and we did go through two of the resolutions and before i go to the third one chris is saying and i, I want to address this chris is saying it seems difficult to be able to discern true hunger and f- from some other emotion like boredom sometimes you're just hungry Absolutely, Chris, and this is a great question. So here's how you differentiate emotional hunger from physical hunger. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes you're just hungry, and that would be physical hunger. So physical hunger is physical. We feel it in our bodies. We might get, you know, light lightheaded. Our stomach might grumble and rumble. Um, we feel something very physical, and when we feel physical hunger. And we're super hungry, we're not going to be that picky about what we're what we want to eat. Like if you're really hungry and the only thing that is available is an apple, but you're starving, you're gonna be like, Yeah, I'm gonna have the apple because I'm really hungry. That is eating for physical reasons when you feel it in your body. But when when you when you think something sounds good or looks good or something like that. That is an indication of emotional hunger, which is located in our minds, not our bodies. And when we think we're going to eat something and it's going to make us feel a different way, "Oh, I'm going to feel better if I eat that," Or, "Oh, um, I'm going to I'm not going to think about my problems if I'm eating that." Or, or you're not even that aware. You're just like, "Oh, I, I, I want that. It looks so good." That is more emotional hunger. So hopefully that gives you a gauge to be able to tell if you are physically hungry or emotionally hungry, physical, body, emotional. Ooh, that, oh, and I should say when you're like, ooh, that looks good or sounds good, you're more picky. Like, oh no, it has to be, if, if you don't, if, if, if the only thing is there is an apple and you don't like apples, you're not going to eat an apple for emotional comfort. You're going to go for like, well, where's the ice cream or, you know, where's the whatever. So that those are some ways that you can gauge it. And also, Chris, I would say, um, in terms of hunger, figure out how hungry are you. I, I like to use a scale of one to five. So five is you're absolutely ravenously starving and you would eat just like even if you're a vegetarian, you would eat a steak. That's how hungry you are. One is like, eh you can eat, but you're not really hungry. You want to never get past like a uh, two and a half or three, because when you get too hungry, that can trigger a binge, which is you, you, but not an emotionally based binge, more like a, a hunger physiological binge where you don't eat enough. You're so hungry. And once you start eating, you can't stop because you don't get to that fullness soon enough. And then before you know it, you've binged and you go, Ooh, um, And when you are eating, so you want to not get more than a two and a half or three on a scale of one to five for hunger. And then when you do eat, you don't want to get past two and a half or three on fullness. So five is, oh my God, I ate so much. I have to unbutton my pants and my stomach actually hurts. It's horrible. The worst feeling ever. Oh, I remember it well. But haven't had that for decades, right? it is possible. A binge cure is possible. And and you want to get to like two and a half of three or three, which is like, you know, okay, I'm not hungry anymore, but I'm not too full. I am just right. And be really aware of that as you eat, because often, especially people who struggle with binge eating, eat really fast because there's something so shaming about eating that uh, you can also get eat too much, too fast, and then you get uncomfortably full. And then if you have that diet mentality of I've blown it, I ate the thing I shouldn't have eaten, or I've already eaten this, I might as well have all the other things, then you end up even eating more and getting more physically uncomfortable, which can psychologically convert uh, uncomfortable emotions into physical discomfort, but that's another show. All right, so third resolution this year is make friends with the mirror. Check in how our societal standards have affected you, like comparing yourself to Photoshopped images or internalizing um, uh, cultural biases against certain body types. um, And look at how those messages have impacted your feelings about your body. When I was a trainee, uh, when I was a brand new therapist trainee, I worked in an eating disorder program. And this was before social media. And so what we would say is that to people like, you cannot look at magazines or watch TV. You can't look at magazines and you can't watch TV. And everyone, you can read a book or you could do other things. But the whole reason for that was that they... You you get so used to comparing yourself, you don't even realize you're doing it. And just looking at a magazine cover would make people feel bad, or looking through a magazine would make them feel bad. And after going on like a magazine diet for a month, two months, they really saw how much they had been influenced and how they saw their own bodies as always in comparison to some photoshopped Barbie model person. So making friends with the mirror is a really crucial step because it's really making friends with yourself. And it means accepting your body as it is without judgment and criticism, even if you are losing weight, right? That's a tough one. I'm suggesting that you can accept that, you know, or just not hate on your body, even if... You are trying to change your body. And how do you do this? How do you get more comfortable and make friends with the mirror? Stand in front of the mirror and instead of focusing on all the flaws or all the perceived flaws or all the things that you hate and want to change and want to lose, concentrate on the parts of your body that you appreciate. And whenever I suggest this, people say, I don't like anything about my appearance. Nothing, zero, zip. I hate everything. No, there is something you can appreciate, whether it is your eyes or your smile or your hair or the strength in your arms or whatever it is. There's is something about your physical appearance that you can appreciate. And of course, we all have days when this is really hard. The goal is not to love your body or love your body every minute, but it's about cultivating a more compassionate and accepting relationship with your reflection. And this does not mean body positivity. Many of us have this paradox right now in our relationship with food and body image because on the one hand, you feel really dissatisfied with your weight and you want to change it. And this, of course, can spiral into self-loathing and self-hatred and then eating to cope and the whole horrible mess of it, right? And then just getting dressed is an ordeal because it reminds you of what you hate about your body. And at the same time, there's this push towards body positivity, which is well-intentioned, Yep, body positivity is well intentioned and and necessary, but it can inadvertently add this layer of guilt for a lot of people. Because first they have this pressure to look a different way that they put on themselves, so they feel bad about their bodies, and then they feel bad about feeling bad about their bodies. So they feel you feel if you feel bad about how you look, but you also feel bad because you can't embrace body positivity. It's okay. There's a middle ground. Instead of trying to be like, I, I love my body, even though I don't, focus on understanding um, what led you to this, re- develop this relationship with your body and your reflection, and be gentle with yourself as you create a balance between trying to be your healthiest self at your healthiest weight and nurturing your emotional well-being and finding aspects of your appearance that you like because we tend to focus on what we see um we 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 find evidence for what we're looking for so if we look in the mirror and we think ugh I can't stand how I look we're only going to see the things that we can't stand if you if you say you know what there are things I want to change about my body right now but I really love my bone structure I love my hair I love my eyes I love my smile I like that you're going to see that more and more and more confirmation bias can be used for the good of us not just the bad it's it's kind of like you know when you get a new car and suddenly you see that car everywhere you go that's because we're more likely to see what we're looking for even if we're not even aware we're looking for it we're just more aware. So the more you consciously focus on finding what you like and appreciate about your appearance, the more you will like what you see. So again, the goal is not just to accept your body the way it is if you don't like it. It's to accept yourself in your entirety with kindness and without judgment and and to be on your own side with yourself for yourself Find things about, that you like about your appearance as you're working to lose weight. And yes, I am an eating disorder therapist who says, yes, it is okay to want to lose weight. I don't know why that became forbidden, but I'm just going to say the quiet part out loud. Of course you want to lose weight if you want to lose weight. It's okay. It's the way that you set about losing weight that is the problem if it's harsh, if you're attacking yourself, if you're only going to feel good about yourself at a certain weight, that's no good. That's because the $60 billion diet industry sells us this illusion that when you lose weight, you're going to be the better version of yourself. And you're going to lose all the things you don't like about yourself. No. When you lose weight, you know what happens? You lose weight. That's it. You want to lose weight because you want to wear a different size because you think you're going to look cuter, you're going to feel better, you're going to move around more easily. Awesome. But just do it in a way that is healthy and nurturing instead of critical and cruel and and, and harsh. So making friends with the mirror is not about achieving a certain look or a certain size. It is about fostering a more healthy relationship with your appearance. It's about self-care, self-understanding, and ultimately it's about self-love. By the way, your body is yourself. If you didn't have that body, where would you live? There's often this idea that there's you and your body. No, your body is you, a part of you. So take care of you, all of you. Um, all right, and that kind of leads me to uh, to reflect on the cultural messages that we get. So, another resolution is to kind of challenge the 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 messaging that we get in our culture, that that give give us these ideas that we have about ourselves, and reflect on in these messages where they came from. They come from our families and they come from our culture and look at how they have shaped your beliefs about yourself and other people and whether they empower you or make you feel bad because these beliefs, they play a significant role in, in, in how we think about ourselves. I know that. You know, I've heard many people say that they'd, they'd be out with their families and they that family members would make comments about strangers like, oh, can't believe how that person, you know, that person must live in McDonald's. Or, I can't believe that person went out in public looking like that, just totally shaming on strangers and making horrible, awful remarks about people they don't know which of course makes you feel what if you're growing up in a family like that? Makes you feel like, oh my God, what, are they looking at me? Or I can't, I better be careful about how I look. And and just the shame and the body-centric nastiness that happens out there can really affect us without even realizing it. We, we internalize these messages. These messages are, yeah, they're implicit and explicit. So explicit messages are those direct messages like you shouldn't wear that, you shouldn't eat that, or oh, you're you you know do you do you need do you need those chips? Do you really need a second portion of that? Those are explicit shaming messages, or or messages about well, what does a good body look like? You know, what's acceptable, and it's conveyed through just direct messages. Implicit messages are more subtle. And they're conveyed through actions or attitudes or um, uh, just the way people are in the world. Let me give you an example. So a family member who's always dieting can send a message that you have to be thin to be valued. I grew, I should say, I grew up with a mother who was, she was, I think she was size so she's like size six in the '80s. That's like size four now, or or smaller. And she was always talking about how fat she was. So I thought that you know everybody was fat because my mother was like, oh, mm, mm, always picking apart, always a Sorry, mom. I don't think she listens to the show, so I can freely say <laughs> all of this. Um, and if mom, if you are listening to the show, which would shock me greatly, well. You know, this is the, this is the truth. Okay. So she'd also say every time she ate something, she'd apologize. Oh, I don't know why I'm so hungry. Oh, I just must've exercised so much. I, I just don't know why I'm so hungry. Like she's always apologizing for being hungry and always talking about how big she was. So I got this, this idea that, wow, like you, you're not supposed to be hungry. And if you're a size six, woo, you should lose weight. So that, even though she never said anything explicitly to me at that time, this is the message that I got. And this is the message that a lot of people get. Um, you know, if your parents or people you know make disparaging comments about other people's weights, also, you may come to believe that there is something inherently wrong with your body, even if it wasn't explicitly said to you. So this, the, these messages, cultural messages, family messages, which are intertwined, they promote totally unrealistic standards of beauty and health and whats what you're supposed to look like. Um, and so reflecting on these, identifying them, reflecting on them, you know, did you have a parent who was always on a diet? Did you have a family that would make comments about other people's weight or appearance? Did you have parents who apologized for eating or or shamed or who dealt with their feelings by binge eating, things like that. Um, looking at where this comes from is really important and and how these messages have affected you and creating your own messages that you want to have, the standards that you want to live by, instead of these cultural constructs that only make you feel bad and only the only The only people it helps are the people in the $60 billion diet industry, an industry that is dedicated to keeping you on a diet and making you think that you should be smaller. And if you just eat this but not that, you will not only lose weight, you will have the life you want to live. Which brings me to the next resolution declare a truce with numbers. A few years ago, you might have seen this, Special K did this ad and they totally nailed the experience of shopping for jeans, which can be so depressing and so horrifying, um, especially when numbers define us. And in this ad, women discover this store where they use a tape measure that doesn't do sizes, but it, it, it labels you as, you know, charismatic or radiant or fabulous instead of a size. That is a mindset we can all benefit from. So if how you feel about your body and yourself comes down to the number on the scale, you are ignoring everything else that makes you awesome. Do numbers reveal your spirit, your intelligence, your integrity, your warmth? No, they do not. What makes someone amazing and incredible and likable and lovable has nothing to do with a thigh gap or their waist size. Consider the most phenomenal person you know, maybe, or people. Maybe you love their kindness, their humor, their loyalty, their their other qualities. You wouldn't suddenly say like, oh, I used to like them, but they gained weight and now I don't like them anymore. Nor... Do you know anyone who's just a jerk, but if they lost weight, you'd be like, oh, actually now I like them, right? It is time to perceive yourself as you would anyone else. You are not more likable if there is less of you. You are not less like less likable, the, the, the converse, if there is more of you. So no matter where you are on your journey to health, don't make yourself worth hinged on some, you know, goal weight. Remind yourself regularly of your great qualities beyond the physical. Remind yourself, as I just said about, you know, uh, making friends with the mirror, what you do like about your appearance. That is so important. And, and appreciate and value yourself. And by the way, break up with the scale because a piece of Metal and plastic cannot measure your self-worth. If you wake up every morning and the first thing you do, like the patient I was telling you about earlier who got on the scale, it ruined her day, she looked in the mirror and said you're disgusting. If 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 your day is ruined because you get on a scale and you do not like the number, well, that scale has too much power over you. Do not give that scale, that number, so much power over your sense of self. There are other ways to value yourself and measure your value. And you deserve, by the way, to feel good the way you are right now. Without changing, without anything else, guess what? You deserve to feel good about yourself. So let's lose the self-judgment and get curious about all that makes you fabulously, amazingly, wonderfully you. So, so far, we um, talked about understanding, hidden motivations, turning your inner critic into a friend. Making friends with the mirror, reflecting on the the family and and cultural messages that you have internalized and come to believe, and maybe you can turn it into uh, fiction instead of looking at it as truth and and nonfiction. And declaring a, a, a truce with numbers is another way, is another resolution that you can make. Um... Another one, I, I, I promised you eight. Another one is celebrating body di- diversity, which is kind of like, you know, what I just talked about, but more specifically. <laughs> um, and, and the last one, and I think this is an important one, is to find joy in movement make a resolution to find joy in movement, because often our goals only revolve around weight loss or muscle growth or fitness improvement or, you know, whatever that is. And when we set these narrow, narrow goals, we turn exercising into a chore that we dread rather than an activity that enriches our lives and makes us feel good, which of course, you know, can hinder our progress because we're not going to want to go to the gym if we have to do the thing we don't want to do. So so find joy in movement. Consider which activities make you feel energetic, relaxed, ju- rejuvenated. What's fun? Choose things that you enjoy. Do you like dancing? You know, turn on your music and dance around the house. Um uh, are you a nature lover? Go for a walk in your neighborhood or go drive somewhere and take a hike. Create activities that make you happy and incorporate them into your routine. Instead of, I will go on the elliptical for 45 minutes. Oh my God, the elliptical for 45 minutes? Hell on earth. No, go for a hike for 45 minutes. Do something that you love and enjoy. Um, Moving your body should be about... Fun and self-discovery and appreciation. It should not be punishment. It should not be about like drastic transformation. And the more that you like doing it, the more you will you will do it and look forward to doing it. And then it won't become a chore. It will become something that you do as part of your everyday. And that is our the end of our last uh, our our last meeting of. 2023. Happy 2024, everyone. Also, again, big shout out to everyone who's been here with me for the first 25 uh, 25 shows. Yay, 25 shows today. Thank you so much for joining me here on The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm here every Thursday at noon Pacific on Voice America. And if you want a deeper dive into what I talked about today, be sure to check out my book, The Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating, available on Amazon in all formats, along with the accompanying workbook, The Binge Cure Journal. Make 2024 a year that you embrace all parts of yourself. Happy 2024. I will see you next year. Stay curious, not critical. Bye for now.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Each week, she offers valuable insights to stop emotional eating and give steps to lead a joyous life. Tune in next Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.